Good morning. Welcome to the Church of the Palms. My name is Barry Buchanan, and I serve as a deacon on the executive committee of the Board of Deacons in the congregation. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us bow our heads as we prepare for worship. Lord God, today we call on you with the names you have given us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three in one, one in three. We call you by the strong name of the Trinity. Hold us and lead us in your power. Watch us with your eye. Protect us with your strength. Hear us with your ear. Teach us with your wisdom. Guide us by your hand. Speak to us through your word. Triune God, we celebrate your love and proclaim your majesty your glory, and your honor, now and always. Amen. Now as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise of the glory of God.
Would you please stand for our, our call to worship? Listen to these words from the psalmist, Psalm 29. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory of his name. Worship the Lord in holy splendor. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord over mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. Come, let us worship the Lord. We are the people of God, 
but scripture reminds us that we still sin. We need to acknowledge the truth before God, knowing that the Lord Jesus intercedes for us with the Father, who freely forgives us through his infinite goodness and mercy. So let us draw near to the throne of grace with sincerity and confidence and confess our sins together. Let us pray. Holy God, we know we should be grateful for the gift of life, but many times we feel that we are merely existing rather than being fully alive. Our natural inclination to sin often causes us to feel imprisoned by destructive patterns of behavior or negative thoughts preventing us from experiencing the power of your Holy Spirit. Forgive us, O Lord, for narrowing life to the material world with its wants and desires. Open our hearts to the gift of your Spirit that we may come alive with the joy of our salvation in Jesus Christ. These things we pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Forgiveness is not offered lightly or superficially, yet it is always available to those who recognize their spiritual poverty and seek new life in Christ. God is a refuge for those who are truly repentant. He delivers us and restores us with mercy and grace. There is great rejoicing in heaven when sinners seek forgiveness and turn to serve God in love. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. And now with believers across the globe and down through the ages, let us state what we believe using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now we invite you in Christian love to turn and greet your neighbors.
Good morning. Welcome to worship at Church of the Palms. It is great to be together today in worship, especially if you are a guest this morning. We are happy that you have joined us. We would invite everyone who is seated on the aisle side of the pew to take the red friendship pad that's there, sign your name to it, and pass that along down the pew. Take note of the names of the folks who are seated nearby you, and perhaps after the service, um, invite those near you to join you for a cup of coffee or a glass of lemonade out under the tree and uh, continue the conversation. So I want to highlight a few announcements and also invite you to read through the other announcements that are in the back part of the bulletin. Uh, first thing is to say thank you to Judy Lutz, who is leading in worship at the organ. So thank you, Judy. Great to have you back this morning. Also to let you know that we are in the midst of preparing for VBS, not this coming week, but the week after that. And so if you are still interested in volunteering to help with our Vacation Bible School this summer, there are two training opportunities for that. One is just after this service at 1015 up in uh, room 205. The second is this coming Wednesday evening at uh, 6.30 p.m., also in room 205. Also, uh, as we've mentioned uh, in previous weeks, we are doing a pilot program this summer in our tutoring ministry, uh, connecting with Wilkinson Elementary School and especially those rising second graders for whom that summertime is so important to retain the gains they've made academically during their first grade year. So uh, see Judy Armitage. Judy is wandering around there in the back of the, uh, in the narthex, and, and uh, she would be happy to let you know how you can be involved in this summer tutoring program. Also, today is a big day for us. We are hosting our second round of Family Promise families. They're coming in uh, later today. And so if you have volunteered to uh, be a part of hosting them, thank you very much. If you're still interested to find out how you can help, please give us a call in the church office and we'll see if there are any last-minute slots that we can plug you into. And all of us can lift up this important ministry for families in our community in transition by uh, praying for them this week. We have a SHAPE class that is coming up in just a few weeks on consecutive Saturday mornings, June 20th and 27th. would invite you to read through the announcement in there because that SHAPE class can be so important in helping us to discern how God has called us and gifted us and given us experiences to serve Him and be a blessing to others. And speaking of uh, being a blessing and receiving blessings, I'd like to invite Corey Carr to come and share a bit about our secret angel ministry. Good morning. My name is Corey Carr, and I just completed my freshman year at the University of Central Florida. This year has been one of the most exciting of my life, as moving on to a new city has given me endless opportunities for unforgettable experiences. However, leaving Sarasota was a huge change. One thing that helped me feel connected to home during this time away was the Secret Angel program at Church of the Palms. Receiving packages and cards from my Secret Angel this past year helped not only to keep me connected to Sarasota, but served as a comforting reminder that I will always be a loved member of the Church of the Palms. 
It's not just what I received, but the idea that someone is thinking of you. Thank you for the, your support of this ministry, and I highly encourage all of you to sign up to be a secret angel for one of this year's graduating seniors. Thank you, and God bless. Good morning. Thanks, Corey. As he said, the Secret Angel Program is a great ministry opportunity for those of us in the church to have an opportunity to share the love of Christ with those who have grown up in the church and are spreading their wings and going off to do great things. And so we would highly encourage you, if you are interested in the Secret Angel Program as a secret angel or just a prayer partner or in any way, shape, or form, uh, we will have a table under the tree after the 9 o'clock service in between the two services. So if you're interested, you can go out there, get some more information, and sign up if you'd be interested in that. Also, there's a little blurb in the bulletin under the names of the seniors with the name of Peg Moffat, who is our coordinator, and you can contact her with any more questions. So we'd encourage you to prayerfully consider doing that. It's my honor and joy and privilege to introduce our seniors to you this morning. So you guys can go ahead and come on up in front of the communion table there. So one of the greatest joys of ministry is to see our students grow, not just uh, in height like this guy, but uh, in their spiritual stature and in who they are and becoming the young men and women that God is creating them to be. And so this morning we we want to recognize our seniors both present and not present. Uh, we've got a group that are graduating this morning from Pineview, so uh, we're very excited for them. These three have already graduated, so they are graduated high school students, I guess. You're, you're college freshmen now, I guess, right? So I'm going to let them quickly introduce themselves and uh, where they are graduated from and where they are going next year. So. My name is Keaton Dimmick. I uh, graduated from Riverview High School, and I plan to attend State College of Florida in the fall. Um, I'm Maddie. I graduated from Sarasota Military Academy, and I'm going to Florida Southwestern State College. My name is Brooke. I graduated from Sarasota Military Academy, and I'll be attending Santa Fe in Gainesville. I'm going to turn it over to Bruce now, but if you'd like to see a list of our, our full group of seniors, that's uh, on page six in your bulletin, and you can see where they're graduating from and where they're heading in their future plans. So, Bruce. You uh, bow our heads and pray together as you come to this important uh, step in your life journey. So, let us pray. Gracious God, you say to us in your word, that before we were even born, you knit us together in the depths of the earth, in that secret place, and all of the days of our lives, you had numbered them. And so we believe that your hand has been upon these young adults, these graduated high school students, these rising college freshmen. We know that they face um, many exciting challenges, perhaps bumpy spots in the road, and we believe that whatever the future holds, that you will be right there with them and beside them. So we pray your blessing upon each one of them, upon their families. We pray that we would continue as a church family to be a source of support and encouragement 
cheerleaders for these called and gifted young people as they begin to make their way with greater and greater independence in the world. Help each one of them to lean on you to seek your wisdom, to hold fast to the faith that uh, they have, to continue to grow in the grace that you have given to them. Lord, unite us in the purpose not only of supporting these high school senior graduates and those who aren't able to be here with us today, but of committing ourselves to supporting one another and blessing those in our community who are in need. And so we pray together the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Congratulations, and you may be seated. God bless you. As we continue our worship, I invite the ushers to come forward as they receive the morning tithes and offerings.
Let us pray. Great God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we bring to you our gifts of gratitude. Use these to protect your world, to heal your people, and to empower your church to make more disciples for the service of Christ. For we bring them to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated as our children and Lori come forward. Oh, good morning. Good morning, good morning. Hello. Hi, Tommy. Caroline, good morning. Good morning. Wow, great to see you guys in summer mode, except Bradenton, are you guys, where are you? Ella, are you guys on summer yet? Do you have summer vacation yet? Not yet. Oh, sorry for your luck. I am on a quest to solve a great mystery. Do you guys like mysteries? Do you have any like books or, ooh, nice eyes. Books or movies that are like great mysteries that you like, like to read or see? Can you think of one? Oh, go ahead. Oh, that's a great one. We had Scooby-Dooby-Doo, which was awesome also. Nancy Drew. Nancy Drew. Wow, you still read that. That's awesome. Oh, there was a movie too, right? Yeah, there was. Any, Sydney. Hi. You have a movie or a mystery? You do? Come here. Sarah, I'm so sorry. What do you have, Sydney? Ariel. Ariel, oh, there might be a little mystery in Ariel. Well, guess what? Because we're Christians, because we believe in God, there is going to be a lot of mystery in our life because God is God and we're not. So we're not ever going to be able to understand everything. For example, I don't know if you know this, but today in the church calendar is Trinity Sunday. Does anyone know what the Trinity is? Father... Son, Holy Spirit. So we have one God, but there's three parts of God. It doesn't really make sense. How can we have one and three? I thought you would have these kind of looks on your faces when I started talking about the Trinity. So I need a great example. Um, I need an egg. Um, Pastor Bruce, do, do you have an egg? You, Genevieve, do you have an egg? Wow. Thanks, guys. Does anyone have an egg? Robin! 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 Wow. Got. Thanks, Robin. Appreciate that. Robin's an elder. That's like great help there. Thank you. So, my heart's still kind of pounding. So, here's the example. This is one egg, right? Just one egg. On the outside of the egg is what? We could break that into there really hard. Right in there. Ah, oh, nice job. Thank you. Mm, didn't quite go, but let's look. Right inside, oh, look. Right inside of the shell is the white, and right inside of that is the yolk. So that's like three parts, right, of this one single egg. I get that this analogy kind of breaks down a little bit if you go too deep, but just to get the basic idea of the Trinity, of three parts of God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, kind of like three parts of the egg, the shell, 
the white and the yoke. It's going to be a mystery. We don't know exactly how it works or how God does that, but you know what's not a mystery? Is the amount of love that God has for each one of us. There is so much love from God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that he wants us to get out of this place and share that love with everyone. That is no mystery. The rest, we get to keep asking questions about. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we thank you for your great, amazing love. Fill us up with that love. Let the Spirit be in us so that we might leave this place showing everybody your great love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. This morning we are going to be focusing on the theme of Trinity. 
how God has revealed himself to be in God's essence. And so we will begin by reading a passage from the Apostle Paul to the church in Rome. It's found in the 8th chapter of uh, the book of Romans. I'll be reading verses 12 to 17 if you care to follow along in your Bible or one of the pew Bibles on the rack in front of you. Before we read God's Word, let us pray. Gracious God, as we are gathered this morning, and as we open your book, the scriptures you have preserved for us, by the presence and power of your Holy Spirit in this place, shine forth your truth from your word so that we may not only hear, but understand and be transformed. We pray this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Paul writes, So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if in fact we suffer with him so that we also may be glorified with him. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. So, have you uh, ever been saying one of those old axioms, you know, those wisdom sayings, and even as you were saying it, you started to wonder, what in the world is this saying about? You know, sometimes these, these old wise sayings have come unmoored from their original meaning. We've, we've kind of lost the back story, and so we don't really understand what it is we're saying. For example, if I were to say to you, don't look a gift horse in the mouth, where does that come from? I, nobody's ever given me a horse as a gift. And, and if I did receive a horse as a gift, I have no idea why I would look at the horse's mouth. I, I don't know what I would be looking for. So, so what is the, the meaning? What's the backstory? What's the background for this old axiom? So I did a little research, and what I found, Robin, check me on this. You have the egg, the veterinarian, she's going to... So what I found in my research is that horses, as they age, they continue to grow new teeth. Is that, is that right? Yeah. And, and so those new teeth push the old teeth kind of forward in their face. And so an old horse is going to have front teeth that sort of protrude. They stick out. And so what the saying means is be grateful 
for whatever gift you receive. Because if you look a gift horse in the mouth, what you're really saying is, I think this might be an old horse. It's kind of a sign of ingratitude. That's what we mean when we say, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. I think there, is a, there can be a similar dynamic that is at work in terms of what we say we believe about God. Sometimes what we say we believe can come unmoored from its background. We can forget the back story and not really realize what it is that we're saying. I think that can be the case with these uh, things that we repeat a lot in worship settings, like the Apostles' Creed. We say the Apostles' Creed almost every week in our sanctuary services, and we begin what that creed by saying what? We just said it. I believe in God, the Father Almighty. And if we were saying those words in Latin, what do you think the first word is that we will say? Hint, look at the sermon title. Credo, credo. That's what we would say. That's Latin for I believe. And so what we're going to be looking at is what we believe about God and where that belief comes from in terms of who God has revealed God's self to be. And so to start that, I want us to look together back at the book of uh, Exodus in the Old Testament. Exodus chapter 3, I'll read to you verses 13 to 15. But Moses said to God, If I come to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said further, thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, thus you shall say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. Now this exchange between God and Moses took place in that dramatic encounter in the land of Midian when Moses, as a shepherd for his father-in-law Jethro's flocks, saw the bush that was burning but not being consumed, and when he approached it, God spoke to him from the bush. God commissioned this shepherd to be the one who would go to Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh to let God's covenant people, the Hebrews, free from slavery. Moses was to lead them to the land of promise that God had provided, but Moses wasn't sure that he was prepared to, to assume this mantle of leadership, and so he asked God for some kind of credentials. Tell me your name so that when I go to the people to lead them out of slavery and into this promised land, that they will know you truly have sent me. So God told Moses the divine name, I am who I am. God revealed his identity. 
to Moses. You know, there were lots of different cultures, and those different cultures worshipped a lot of different deities in the ancient world. But the Lord sought out one particular people to be their God and to make a promise or a covenant with him that they would be his people. And when we are looking at the first few books of the Old Testament, perhaps especially the, the book of Genesis, what we find is this story looking back from the time of Moses to the, to the very start when God created the heavens and the earth and all that is, and how God made a promise or a covenant with Abraham that he would have many descendants and that God would have a special relationship with those descendants and all the peoples of the earth would be blessed. And then we saw, we see in Genesis further how God was faithful to Isaac and to Jacob and then how God remembered his people even during their long captivity in Egypt right up to the time of Moses when he called this shepherd to lead his people to freedom. What was happening during these early chapters of the Bible is in a polytheistic world, God was shaping a monotheistic people. A people who believed there is only one God, God with a capital G. This in the face of all of the neighbors around them who assumed it as truth that there were many gods. A defining characteristic of the Jewish faith is that it is monotheistic. Jews don't say, my God is better than your God. Jews say, I worship the one true God. And what you worship is no God at all. God was shaping this monotheistic people who had this experience of his presence and his promise. And as the Old Testament unfolds, we see that shaping continue as Moses leads the people into the wilderness. And then God raises up Joshua, who leads them into this land of promise, this land flowing with milk and honey. And then the period of the judges in which they settle in the land and establish their dominion over it, and then on into the period of the monarchy, especially the building of the temple in Jerusalem and the words of the, of the prophets, that God would send a Messiah to sit on the throne of David. And then during their, the, during their years in exile, God was still faithful. And when the people came back from that exile, they held on to this belief in the one true God and in this hope that God would send a Messiah to rule on David's throne. The Jews knew God. They believed that they knew all there was to know about God. It was the foundation of their faith, the foundation of their life together. And sometimes we can think that with our 
nice, wise, old axioms that we know most of what there is to know about life. I mean, how about that saying, a stitch in time saves nine. Now, I hope you know what that one means because I don't. I don't. I'm not much into stitches or sewing or anything like that. So, so the meaning of this one, it, it's kind of lost on me. A stitch in time saves nine. So I had to, had to do a little bit of study and find out what, what this one was about. And, and what this axiom means is that when a, a cloth begins to, to tear, it is best, it is wisest to make the repair right then when one stitch will do the job. Because if you wait, if you procrastinate, if you put off taking action, the tear is going to get worse and you might spend as much as nine more stitches to do the same job that you could have done with one. A stitch in time saves nine. It's about taking action at an earlier time when it's most efficient to avoid having to do a lot more work later on. Well, what God revealed to the Hebrews, to the Jews in the Old Testament was only the first part of the story. Very important part to be sure, but there was more that God had to reveal about God's self, about who God truly is in God's essence. And we find that record in the New Testament. We, in fact, we affirm that in the Apostles' Creed when we say, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. So you see, what had happened is God had very patiently built this covenant relationship with this particular group of people, the Jews. And they were committed to the fact that God, there was only one true God. And he had given them this land of promise in which to live. And so many of the Jews lived there. And he had implanted with them through the words of the prophet this expectation that a Messiah would come from the line of David. And so this Jesus the Christ, Jesus the Messiah in whom we say we believe, he came at exactly the right time in exactly the right places. If Jesus had come at another time in history, if he had come in another place than Palestine, if he had come to live among another people than God's covenant people, the Jews, it wouldn't have made any sense. It wouldn't have made any sense. But Jesus came to Palestine where many of God's covenant people lived, these radically monotheistic Jews who were waiting for a Messiah. That's when Jesus showed up. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. 
But you know, I have heard many times, and you probably have as well, and this is especially true for people outside the Christian church, this idea that, you know, Jesus was really, he was a, he was a prophet. He was a fine teacher. He never actually claimed to be God. He didn't think he was God. He was just a good teacher. He was just an amazing prophet. That's all he was. I have heard people say that with great conviction. I have heard really intelligent people try to make that point. And if you have as well, what I would say to you is, those people are mistaken. Plain and simple. They're mistaken because Jesus, a number of different times in the Gospels, makes clear claim to being divine, to being God. Here is one example, an important example, because it connects directly back to the passage in Exodus 3 we read in which God revealed his divine name to Moses, I am who I am. The passage is from the Gospel of John. It's in the 8th chapter. There is this uh, big disagreement going on between Jesus and the Jewish religious leaders. They are trying to discredit Jesus. They have accused him of being a half-breed and of being demon-possessed. And Jesus responds equally as forcefully and says to the Jewish religious leaders that God really isn't your father. The devil is your father. And as the argument and disagreement goes on and gets uglier and uglier, Jesus at one point stops it and says to them, very truly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. John 8:58 Before Abraham was I am Jesus invoked the divine name and applied it to himself His claim to be God was clearly understood by the Jewish religious leaders and you can tell by their response The Bible says they picked up stones to stone him because they believed that what they had just heard was blasphemy. Jesus claimed to be God. He had to be killed in their mind. Friends, there are a lot of different things that we believe as Christians. And some of those beliefs are subject to different interpretations and perhaps more than one understanding. But this is not one of them. One of the absolute foundational truths of our faith is that Jesus is God. That's what we say in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. And so my advice to you this morning is strike while the iron's hot. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, that's another one of those axioms that I'm like... 
what's the image here? I, I get this picture of my iron sitting on the ironing board. It's all plugged in, all nice and hot, and I'm supposed to do something violent to the iron. And I'm thinking, what? What is that? I mean, I, I get the sort of the meaning of it is, you know, take action at the opportune moment. I, I get that part, but I, I just don't see what it has to do with, with making my clothes wrinkle-free. It's, it, it, I've, I've sort of lost something in the, in the translation. And so once again, I had to do a little bit of research. And, and actually, this saying comes from the blacksmith's forge. You know, the blacksmith, in order to work the, the metal, has got to heat it until it is red hot, glowing red hot, because that's the point when he can strike it and shape it to make what he desires to make. Strike while the iron is hot. Take advantage of the opportune situation when it prevents, presents itself. We also say in the Apostles' Creed, I believe in the Holy Ghost. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Talked about this last week with looking at the Pentecost event in the second chapter of Acts. We looked at St. Augustine's example, not necessarily of an egg as Laurie showed the children, Easier to do an egg than to bring the sun in here, but um, looked at Augustine's example of the sun, the star at the center of our solar system as God the Father. The light from the sun, what we can see with our eyes as Jesus, the Son of God. And the energy from the sun that brings life and growth to everything on earth as the Holy Spirit. We believe in the Holy Spirit. You know, I had the blessing of growing up in a home where I was exposed to the great truths of the Christian faith. In my house, at church, in Sunday school. There was a time when I was a kid when I could recite for you the books of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation all in order. It was quite a little parlor thing. People, I would stand up and recite them and get a little applause. And I made a profession of faith in Jesus when I was in third grade. But it wasn't until following my freshman year in college when God reached into my life and met me in a completely different way. The Holy Spirit changed me through the words of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. What, what I had been aware of in my head, the belief I had in my head, moved to my heart and began to move out into my hands and my feet. So what is it that you believe? Because believing isn't some kind of mental assent, like I believe the grass is green. Yes, it is. But what difference does it make? 
Believing involves our head, involves our heart, involves our hands, it involves our feet. When we say, I believe, credo, believe, it involves our whole person. I believe, credo, it's what my life is about. It's what animates me day by day. Friend, what do you believe? Let us pray. Gracious God, you have shown us who you are. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God, three persons. From eternity past, through all the ages, you have invited us into relationship with you through faith in Jesus. Not just a faith that lives in our head, but a faith that is all of who we are. And so, Lord, if there are those of us here today who have held back, who have settled for the I believe of the head, or the I believe of doing stuff with our hands, God, by the work of your Holy Spirit, help us to believe, credo, belief, fully and wholly in you with all that we are, with all that we have. We pray it in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.
this service ends and when you go from this place today, go with God's blessing. May the grace of God the Father and the love of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forever. Amen. Thank you.